What's the crack, comrades? Welcome back to our podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Casey. And today, what are we talking about? Today we're talking about Naomi and Eli's No Kiss List, which is a movie I suggested as a joke. (laughs) Because we couldn't think of anything else to do, we decided to do it. So you're welcome. And I apologize. (laughs) In a way, it does feel inevitable to me. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. Uh, but but also, this will probably be quite a short episode. I have I literally have like one page of notes, and most of it is nonsense. So that's fine. Yeah, I good. don't have nice any change. notes actually. It's a perfect movie in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Any any other thoughts on why you picked this movie <laughs> or what this it movie means to you? No, I think we watched. Did we watch it by accident, or like you suggested that we watch it? Did I? And for some reason, I think it was your fault <laughs> that I've seen this movie. I think we were just like, I don't know, we we're hanging out and scrolling through Netflix, and we couldn't decide what to watch, and someone was like, "We'll watch this, I guess." It wasn't just us. There was definitely other people there I as well. I think was there. It might have been at her house. Maybe. But anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Formative in a way, perhaps. <laughs> mm, uh, formative in a bad way, but formative nonetheless. Yes. Uh, so this is a movie from 2015, which seems wrong to me somehow. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what year I thought it was. Uh, in a way, I would say it's a bit... Did you say it's because this movie is kind of timeless? It could have been from any... Totally, yeah. I mean, I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say <laughs> the the book came No, out... it's both incredibly dated and timeless. Yeah, yeah sure, yeah. Because the book came out in 2007, and I feel like it feels much more 2007 than it does 2015. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I'd agree with that. Okay, it's, okay. It's just, I don't know. Sure. I don't know. It's very, to me, it's very, like, Gossip Girl era. Yeah. More than Glee era. This is how, this is how media is. <laughs> I think it's a bridge between Gossip Girl and Glee. <laughs> and that's why it's so iconic. Totally. Uh, anyway, this movie is by someone called Kristen Hange. Uh, it is based on a book by Rachel Cohen and David Levithan, and I assume somebody else also wrote it. I don't know. Uh, and it stars Victoria Justice of Victorious fame and <laughs> Pearson Foday, I think is how you say his name, and also some other people. What is it about? Well, before, before we start, I just want to say to Pearson Foday, I think... I think it's time we abolish the people who look like Sebastian Stan Industrial <laughs> Complex. I think we're done. I think it needs to be over. Does he look like Sebastian Stan? That didn't occur to me Very at all. Much. Like a weird amount. Hmm. Anyway, so Naomi and Eli's No Kiss List is about Naomi and Eli, who have been best friends and neighbors um, in New York City, like forever they've been best friends their whole lives um uh, 
Eli is gay and often having casual hookups with other guys, and Naomi is heterosexual and has recently begun. Are you dating. reading the Wikipedia thing? Yeah, I can't think, so I'm just reading. Um, yeah. So credit to Wikipedia and whoever wrote this. But Naomi is heterosexual and has been recently begun dating Bruce too, although she has always been secretly in love with Eli. <laughs> Naomi and Eli have a no-kiss list where every gondola list is forbidden for them both. Um, because, like, their parents, like, Naomi's dad slept with Ni- one of Eli's moms. And so Naomi's parents got divorced. And they were like, listen, to save, keep our friendship, like, strong and not let boys come between us. I have to create this list. So, like... Anyone we put on it, neither of us can go after them, so there won't be any fighting about boys. Um, in the beginning of the film, they add Gabriel, their young. They add Gabriel, their young what? and handsome. Oh, right, right to, to the list. list. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they add him to the list, um, which I have something to say about that. But anyway, everything is going well until Eli starts disappearing when Naomi needs him. She has been struggling to help her mother recover from her father leaving after having an affair. Furthermore, Naomi hasn't accepted that Eli is gay. She has always fantasized about him falling in love and marrying her one day. Frustrated about the hopelessness of the situation, she lashes out at Eli's promiscuity. He replies that Naomi, who is a virgin, is just taking her sexual frustration out on him. One night, Naomi brings Eli along to a date with Bruce, too. After a fun night out, Naomi... Bruce, one, by the way, is just another random guy who lives in their apartment. Yeah, I feel like apartment. he doesn't give any context for why he's called Bruce. <laughs> but he's, his name is also, like, Bruce the Second, I think. I, I might have, so. like, not been really paying attention, but I think he's, like... It, they. Anyway, no, I think I've, his name is also Bruce the Second. That was not in the book. Okay, so one night Naomi brings Eli along on a date with Bruce too. After a fun night out, Naomi wants to go home, but Eli pushes her to go home with Bruce to have sex, which she reluctantly agrees. They awkwardly make out in Bruce's dorm room until a friend accidentally interrupts them. A few days later, Eli discovers Bruce too waiting for Naomi in the hallway and offers him a drink while he waits. In Eli's bedroom, Bruce discovers his X-Men comics, and the two start bonding. In a moment of passion, they kiss, but Eli immediately regrets it and apologizes. The next day, Naomi and Eli go shopping for their Halloween costumes. Eli confesses the kiss but Naomi brushes it off. She then discovers discovers a mixtape in her mail from an admirer, a secret admirer. While the two get ready for the Halloween party, Bruce visits Eli, admitting he enjoyed their kiss and wants to pursue him further. Naomi arrives, and Eli asks Bruce to hide in the closet while he hastens her out. He then goes back to he then goes back, claiming he forgot something to tell Bruce to wait for him. Bruce agrees and gives him Orbit gum to add to the alibi that he forgot something. Naomi remembers that Bruce too chews sugar-free gum, and Eli doesn't. I just now registered that you said you read the book. <laughs> I did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get <Okay>. to that. <laughs> <laughs> she 
then figures out that Ruth too is in Eli's apartment and their kiss wasn't just a kiss. This results in a feud between the two. She confides in her friend Robin, admitting she is more upset about Eli's betrayal than Bruce's. She then creates a list of things and places for Eli to avoid in order for them to stay away from each other. Eli breaks one of her requests, which results in another messy dispute. Naomi realizes that her dream to be with Eli will never come true. He's gay, by the way. During their time (laughs) apart, Naomi grows closer to Robin and discovers that the mixtape was from Gabriel. He reveals that he's always had a crush on her. The two slowly start a relationship, and Naomi applies for a job to help her mother. She also convinces her mother to let go of her father, just as she is willing to let go of Eli. Naomi admits that although her life is better, she still misses her best friend and reaches out to Eli. The two reconcile, and Naomi finally accepts his sexuality. Eli, (laughs) meanwhile, has found love and is settling down with Bruce, too. The film ends with Naomi stating that that relationships and friendships are different kinds of love, but are still love and therefore can have the same effects. She then says that everyone can have more than one special person in their life. Which is very like teen, (laughs) fake deep, like wow, that's so true. (laughs) Uh, Is it fake deep or is it incredible? Totally, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, first of all, you need to stop reading Wikipedia for me (laughs) on this podcast. I think it's a free who's gonna we're not gonna get in trouble it's free i don't like it it's it's not entertaining i would much rather watch you improvise and get things wrong it would be much more fun for me uh anyway okay uh what do we have to say about this movie lots of things i don't know where to start where do your notes start uh okay so i read the book (laughs) i did not somehow did not read this book as a teenager. I'm surprised I didn't actually. Somehow, who knows about it? I mean, Dave, I think we all had like a David Levithan phase. I actually, I was gonna get to that. I did read quite a few David Levithan books, but I never liked any of them, so I kept reading them. Yeah. Like, Ugh, I don't like this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like very soon after my John Green era. I only remember Will Grayson, Will Grayson, and I remember thinking it was bad, but then feeling like I probably shouldn't have thought it was bad. It's probably a good book. Anyway. <laughs> I don't. I'm sure it's not a good book. I never read it. Oh, wait, no, that's not true. It. That's not true. I read parts of it. Why not all of it? Because it wasn't my bad. copy. I think my friend Lou was reading it, and then I, like borrowed it in class and read parts of it and then I was like this is a bad book you can have it back (laughs) yeah anyway that's the extent of my John Green encounters I I never read anything else by John Green Uh, oh I also read the one sorry we're talking about John Green now I guess but I also read the one about the people is that a John Green book never mind Cool. Okay. I feel like there were a lot of John Green knockoffs and a lot of like John Green lights and stuff going on. Yeah, I think David Levithan very in that era. I think the one I'm thinking of is by him. It's the one where they made a Netflix movie out of it, and it was like the guy who was body swapping, but by accident, and he kept oh, like waking up yeah. every day. He would wake up in someone else's body. Uh huh. I think anyway. that might have been David Levithan. Yeah, but I don't. I, I think don't. it was. Yeah. 
I didn't watch or read it. Um, okay. So, yes, I read the book. Uh, mm-hmm. I read it, like, last week. And I didn't, I, like, forgot there was a book about this. And I was like, I haven't done any research for this episode. Uh, <laughs> what what can I do? And there's, like, no academia on this movie. You might be shocked to find out. I am shocked. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, and then I suddenly found out there was a book. And I was like, oh, I better read the book. And I did. It's very, okay, one thing I will say about it is and it's very short and it's like YA so it's very easy to read so I finished it in like two hours or something uh mm. it wasn't two hours it was more than two hours but it wasn't a lot of time <laughs> <laughs> anyway and that was good I didn't want I did not want to spend any more time on it <laughs> uh it was not a good book uh-uh. so, so okay one thing I will say first of all the pacing in this book is really weird and a difference between the book and the movie is that in in the movie like the pacing somewhat makes sense right like we get to know them blah 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 and then the kiss happens like exactly halfway through that's the conflict right there boom and then then, uh, resolution in the book we meet Naomi she explains her life story in like five pages and then we find out about the kiss like right at the Mm. beginning it's really weird um (laughs) So what's the rest of the book about? Because there wasn't that much conflict about the kiss. Like, she didn't really care. Well, 90% of the book is them not being friends. And at the very end, they, like, reunite. But who wants to read a book about people not being friends? (laughs) Some people. Um, Also, Naomi was way more homophobic in the book. That's surprising to me. Because on this rewatch, I was like, wow, she's just, like... The first time I watched it, I think I just registered that she was, like, in love with her best friend. What She's mad about him being gay, whatever. But on this rewatch, I was like, she's fully homophobic. <laughs> she, like, hates him. I, yeah, I don't know. I think it's not as clear in the bo- in, in the movie. It's, it's clearer in the book. Uh, and she's also very 2007 about it. And also, am I allowed to say slurs on this podcast? Anyway, she calls yeah. him a slur at one point. She calls him a... I can't remember the exact phrase, but she calls him a faggot at one point. Um, yeah, fun times. <laughs> this isn't actually, this isn't directly at him. This is in her internal monologue, which is the most annoying <laughs> I've ever read. Mm. Um, oh, a fun thing really. about this, a fun thing about this, my experience of reading this book is that there's emoji, but my Kindle couldn't display them. <laughs> so <laughs> there's just like little squares. And I didn't know what was going on. I had a great time trying to decode it. Um, Yeah, what else do I have to say about the book? Um, Oh, I was very concerned at first that there was going to be no X-Men bonding moment in this book. Because there's like, that one scene in the movie is like two scenes in the book. And in the first one, there's no X-Men. But then in the second one, there is. So that's fine. Uh, Yeah, just just mentioning that. Um, Another thing. Oh, Naomi doesn't get a job in the book. I don't know. I don't understand how they could be college age, live in New York, and not have jobs. I mean, I guess they do live with their parents. But like a lot of other people in America who go to college, so they don't need to spend as much money. I don't know about that. I don't know. And and Naomi's grandmother is rich, so that's what that's how. Like her mother doesn't seem to work. Yeah. 
So that's and they talk they, about struggling with bills and stuff. Yeah, because they don't like the they own the apartment because it was bought by her grandmother. And in the book, they kind of talk about like, oh, you know, you could just ask her for more money. But she's like, oh, I don't want to. I don't like her. But like they do have that option if need be. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I guess Eli's parents are also rich. One of his moms is like a, a successful lawyer. It seemed like I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, what else was I getting to? Okay, uh, one more thing. Gabriel is mixed in the book, and they're really weird about it. They like don't say what ethnicity exactly he is. Like instead of just saying my dad is from this or this place, my mom is from this place, whatever. He's like my mom is from the land of the something. I don't know. He's like really <laughs> weirdly poetic about it. I don't know. I what feel like that's just how mixed people are. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was very. And then he's also like people look at me and they don't know what I am and. It was weird. It was a weird time. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, oh yeah, finally, I want to say, I was thinking about this as I was watching the movie. I was like, why does the movie not annoy me as much as the book did? <laughs> and I have That's a couple a of theories. <laughs> I have a couple of theories. Number one is just that I feel like I have a higher tolerance for mediocrity in movies <laughs> than I do in books. Because, like, a book you have to kind of pay attention to. You have to spend yeah, it's much more several effort to read a book. Yeah, a movie, like, you just put it on. It's like an hour and a half. It's over. It doesn't matter. It's not that good. Uh, and then another, but another reason, I think, is the movie does a better job of convincing me of its, like, internal logic. <laughs> that makes <laughs> sense. Of, like, like the, the characters aren't believable in either the book or the movie but they kind of encourage me to suspend my disbelief better in the movie and I think it's very good at setting the tone from the very beginning like this is the kind of movie it it is and then you know that's you know you know what to expect It, it either works for you it doesn't but yeah I don't know uh, oh, another. Okay, I mentioned the book is very 2007. One thing I noticed was she keeps calling Eli a boy slut, which is <laughs> <laughs> just such a 2007 word, I think. And you're saying you didn't like this book? <laughs> I don't know. That would have sealed the deal for me personally. <laughs> sure. Um. Okay. <laughs> do that's all I have to say about the book. I think. Um. Do we want to analyze this? Movie? Before that, do we know why there are so many people with the same name in this? Like, there's Bruce one and Bruce two, but there's also Boy Robin and Girl Robin. There like, is. Like, what is the obsession of having two people with the same name? It's not I that was... interesting. I was going to mention that. I think it's just like most books and movies avoid having people with the same name to an, to the extent that it's kind of unnatural. So I think it's like the opposite of that. They were like, oh, that's unnatural. So we're going to have loads of people with the same name. Uh, I don't know that it mm. does anything. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was just I'm just looking at the cast and I was like, that's a lot of the same name. Also, Eli's second name is Diamond, which is... What? Yeah. <laughs> His name is Eli Diamond. Where does it because say that? Because he's gay, I guess. In the cast list on Wikipedia. 
I don't know. I don't see it on IMDb. Okay. Sure. <laughs> uh, okay, maybe. Maybe what this represents is Naomi's self-centeredness, to th- so she can't bother like th- seeing other people as real people. Mm, so she's just like, she doesn't care about people's actual names. So like when yeah. she's thinking about someone, she's just like, I guess their name's Robin. I wouldn't know. Who cares? Yes, that is. Interesting. It's actually really deep. <laughs> this is a, a yeah. psychoanalytic deep dive into Naomi's psyche. Mm-hmm. Which is, there's a lot of psychoanalysis in the <laughs> <laughs> Which is not in the book, and which was an interesting choice. Right. Psychoanalysis, sure. Yeah, you know, that's like the one class she goes through in university, apparently. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, I didn't mention Bruce, too, in the book is an accounting major. And mm-hmm. I think they were very wise to change him into a film major. They realized that the audience could not possibly care about an accounting <laughs> major. Yeah. Was the, his documentary in the book? No, he does. Not. He does really like old movies in the book and there's one part where Naomi is like remembering him telling her about how Fred Astaire's favorite dance partner was actually uh what's her name mm. <laughs> someone <laughs> not Ginger Rogers uh I what's her name Rita Hayworth Rita Hayworth uh right. and then Naomi's like I should have known right then that was just <laughs> <laughs> which is fair <laughs> But anyway, no, he wasn't he wasn't a filmmaker. He was just interested in films. And Boy Robin in the book was an annoying film, bro. Mm. Uh, okay, what else? What else? Oh, Naomi goes to Starbucks a lot in the mo- in the in the book, and then in the movie they have like another fake coffee shop that she goes to. But they didn't mention Starbucks. They do. So it's not like they weren't allowed to mention Starbucks. They just weren't allowed to have her go to Starbucks, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, the movie's also weirdly better at fleshing out the characters, I think. Mm. Would you would you agree with (laughs) what I from what you've heard about the book? Uh I don't think I would know. I don't think the characters in the movie are particularly fleshed out. That's true. Maybe that's the wrong phrase. Um, but they, I don't know. I think like some of the characters do have like good chemistry together and they work well together and they kind of make me believe in their relationships. Like in the book, there's like multiple uh, POVs and everything, but I never, like this was just people telling me about themselves and I never believed them. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, Bruce is not Canadian in the book. What is what does this tell us about Canadians? What's Nothing. Nothing. Bruce or Bruce too? Oh, Bruce too. I mean, yeah. Does Bruce one show up in the book? Yes, yes right. Otherwise, Bruce was Bruce two would not be Bruce two. I guess so, but it's just I was watching it and I was like, why do they keep like what was the point of his character? He was just a guy who hung out in the lobby, but he showed up more than other people who hung out in the lobby. So I don't know why he was there. Yeah, well, we see in the book we see some stuff from his point of view at some point, and I guess he kind of represents the way Naomi treated people apart from Eli. 
in like how she I would guess. like toy with his feelings and like didn't care about him. Sure. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh oh, I noticed Gabriel has a cassette phone case. <laughs> Because obviously the production designer, costume designer, whoever's in charge of that was like, he likes cassettes. Here's a cassette phone case. <laughs> By the way, what what are your thoughts on the cassettes? I guess it was meant to represent that he's like old fashioned, but he like cares. And he put in the effort to make a cassette for her. So he's mm-hmm. like really cool. I think I think so. I think that is what they were trying to do. But also I have a theory that these like adults who write fiction for teenagers are obsessed with like having teenagers into the stuff that they were into like back in their day and also like shocked at that or like surprised by them because she was like so weirded out that she got a cassette I think she like showed it to someone I think it was Bruce one and he was like what even is that or it was like the other kid and he was like I don't know what that is yeah I think she calls it like this archaic contraption yeah, but, like, I know what a cassette is. <laughs> like, if someone gave me a cassette, I wouldn't be, like, shocked to the point of, I don't know, not believing. People yeah. still sell cassettes. Like, musicians still, like, when they release finals, they also release cassettes. It's not, like, unheard of. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe I feel like this is a moment where we can tell that this is written by people who are not teenagers, obviously. <laughs> um. Okay. Oh, finally, I wanted to say this. These are like my n- random notes that don't mean anything. That I liked Robin's librarian look. I don't like that Naomi made her change. She was so mean. Um, not everyone has to dress like you, Naomi. She was pulling off the glasses very well. She looked great. Yeah, it was cute. Also, Robin uh, is that girl, girl from Robin, High School Musical. Is the girl from High School Musical. <laughs> Who is going to be in some like. Lifetime, Lifetime movie, movie. Yeah, yeah, with the other guy from High School Musical, <laughs> with Chad from High School Musical. So very it's excited. Like they're back together. It's very yeah. cute. Uh okay. So let's like actually analyze this movie. <laughs> um, anything to analyze? What do you have to say about the trope of lesbians cheating with men? Um. I don't know. I actually haven't seen it that often, or maybe I haven't noticed it. It's something. <laughs> cool. Is it good? Is it bad? I don't think it's particularly bad. Hmm. I don't think it means, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter the gender of the person that you're cheating with. So I don't think that says anything about her or about her being a lesbian. She was just like, cheating on someone <laughs> sure i feel like so if it's like if we look at one instance of this trope in a vacuum there's no reason why it would be inherently negative like sexual f- fluidity exists in real life stuff like yeah. that happens but uh, it is a trope that i have, that i have noticed like several times and i think there is an obsession specifically on lesbians cheating with men like more so than on gay men cheating with women uh and i think there is maybe an element of like wanting to believe that they could be into men potentially yeah i can see that uh and also i don't know a lot of them aren't handled particularly well like it's if it was handled well there i don't i don't think there would be a problem with it but 
which is often not. Uh, this movie isn't really interested in doing anything with that. It's kind of in the background, though. Yeah, I think that's why I like, because I haven't seen it that often. This is like one, off the top of my head, this is probably the only place I could say that I've seen it, and it's not really, like, a big deal that he cheated with a man. They don't really explore it, so. Hmm. Okay, uh, do you have any thoughts on the trope of repeating the mistakes of your parents? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> cool, this is I, a great Do you podcast. have any thoughts on it? <laughs> like, not really. I guess, like, I... I I kind of like seeing stuff like this in media. I do. I think it's terrifying, the idea of, like, becoming your parents and of, like, being limited in any way like that. But I kind of like media so that portray that. What does that mean, really becoming your parents? It means, like, like, you'll never be able to move past that. Like, you'll see them making mistakes and you'll be like, oh, well, I would never do that. But then you do because you can't, like, you don't. Yeah, I don't know. You're you're trapped by the world that you live in. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess don't... I could see that, but I feel like <laughs> I have this idea that I'm in complete control of all of my actions and nothing is ever influencing me ever. So <laughs> in 20 years, something... you will see. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on unlikable protagonists? Uh, I'm sick of it. <laughs> okay. I think sometimes sometimes if someone is going to be like if the movie is like oh this is going to be from the point of view of this person I should at least be able to like them or to find them I don't know not like I don't know it's just that she was so unlikable Mm. it's like you got annoyed with her and I think that's not fun when you're watching a movie especially this kind of movie that's supposed to be fun yeah, I got what you're saying. And I think there is, like, there are very flawed characters that are more charismatic than others. Yeah, like, like yeah. she had, like, nothing to make me, like, want to forgive her or want to see if things work out for her. She was just annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I do say, I do want to say, it's I, I think this is really funny. And I think this is very much, like, the YA uh, literary analysis problem that I see around a lot where people were like, oh, the characters do this, so the movie is saying that it's okay to do this. <laughs> uh, so, like, Naomi is, is thinks that Eli is going to turn straight for her. How dare this movie slash book say that gay men are going to turn straight for, like, a, a woman? Like, that's just because she thinks that at one point doesn't mean that's what the movie yeah. is saying. Like, the movie is also <laughs> saying she's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, like, it's very much about her getting over that. There's a part where when when Eli confesses to Naomi that he kissed Bruce too, he's like, mm-hmm. well, he was never actually on the no kiss list. And I saw somebody complain about this. Like, I can't believe this movie thinks that that's an OK excuse to cheat uh, or something. And it's like, I don't think the movie is actually arguing that it does make it OK. He's just saying that in the moment. This is just a really weird attitude to people. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I think it's a very easy like way to consume things is that like everything you see written on the page is what they're trying to say Mm -hmm. I think you don't really have to think that hard about stuff when you consume it like that 
And like I said, it is very, very common in YA. Definitely not all YA. There's good YA who is who doesn't <laughs> treat teenagers as idiots, but a lot of them do. And I feel like if you treat teenagers as idiots, they're going to learn to be idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Anything else to say? Oh, let me read you. Okay, so I was on Wikipedia and I saw that it cited a Victoria Justice interview from 2016, but then it gave no source for when this interview was or like the link to it. So maybe somebody made this up. It's probably from a real interview. I just don't know where it's from. Anyway, in a 2016 interview, Victoria Justice states that, quote, the film is a drama, to say the least. <laughs> There's no true plot to the film. And I feel like after the movie ended, Eli and Naomi got an apartment together and finally lived their true happy endings. Unquote. This is mm-hmm. so bizarre to me. <laughs> uh, the film I mean, is a drama? <laughs> I, she is correct to say that there's no true plot to the film. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like her idea that they're going to move in together is such a, like, misreading of the movie. Like, it's about them learning to not be so codependent and to, like, be friends while also being be able to be, like, their own person. I don't think they're going to move in together and ignore everybody else. I don't know. It's really weird. She was obviously very in character as Naomi as she was saying this. <laughs> I think, to give her the benefit of the doubt, she could have been saying, like... They're going to move in together as in their friendship is going to be different, but just as strong as it was before and maybe even stronger and live their true happy endings like they're going to have their own lives, but they're going to continue to be like soulmates and best friends in a healthier way. Sure. I still don't think they should get an apartment (laughs) together. I don't think that would be healthy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. Let me read your quote from Sherry Linden for The Hollywood Reporter, uh, okay. where it says, Dari Wishingrad's production design emphasizes color and exuberance over lived-in detail, uh, which I feel like goes to what I was saying about like none of this being believable, but it's very clear that it's not supposed to be, and like it kind of works in that yeah. way. Uh, and then... Okay, here's another quote from the same thing. From the village to Central Park, director of photography Anka Malatinska cast the Manhattan setting in an everyday sheen that suits the youthful perspective, while a score of pop songs validates the emotional highs and lows of late (laughs) adolescence. Both Naomi and Eli will kiss dreamboats, but it's how they sort out their friendship and, not least, the ownership of a glitter belt that makes their story more than paper thin. Mm. Any any thoughts? No. <laughs> I don't know. This is maybe like a defense for why this movie is fun. Like, yes, the the story is paper thin. Yes, it is kind of dumb, but it can be fun. It genuinely is like a good watch. Like, I would recommend this movie to people. It's a fun movie. You'll have a good time. Yes. Uh, okay, and I realize we haven't really talked about women who are in love with their gay best friends. <laughs> so let's end Is with that. Is that something that happens? <laughs> so, Is that real? I mean, I assume it happens in real life sometimes. I don't know. 
I guess I was just saying, I don't know how you can, like, talk about boys together. And she was probably, like, one of the first people that he told when he was a child. Because I remember, like, in the no kiss list, there was stuff from, like, sixth grade or something. Like, when they were kids. So I don't know how you can hold on to hope that long. Like, he didn't seem to ever show any kind of interest in women. I don't know. I think she was just delusional. But at the same time, like, yes, it's a delusion, but I don't think it's enough to dismiss it at that because it seems to be a recurring delusion, at least in the media. So is it? Because I haven't seen it. Okay. well, it happened on Glee. (laughs) Okay, she had a crush on him for like two seconds. Sure. Uh, We're talking about Tina. Also, like a minute. Actually, it happened twice. Understandable. Who else happened? Mercedes had a to. oh no, well I guess she didn't technically. Mercedes know was Kurt told Mercedes. to have a crush on Kurt by Santana and then she decided, Oh, I guess I'm bored. I'll guess I'll have a crush on Kurt for a second and then get mad about it and sing an incredible song. <laughs> but like Anyway like those examples I think is understandable because I don't think it's like those are like instances of attraction, which is understandable sure. to me. But this is something else. Okay. Which is ridiculous to me. Anyway, I really wanted to get to a movie I watched recently called <laughs> The Object of My Affection. This is a movie that came out in 1998, and it is about, what's her name from Friends? Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston. Aniston. Yes, it's about Jennifer Aniston, who falls in love with her gay best friend, Paul Rudd. Mm. And it was an experience. It was very 90s. And I feel like this is definitely a thing people were talking about in the 90s and in the early 2000s. It was a thing. Okay. Yeah. Was Uh, it like a gay people will steal your girlfriends type of thing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, in this movie, okay, first of all, I want to say this. I think that was a thing. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, you know, that thing that's like, oh, why are all the good guys like gay? I think there was this idea that like, gay man will be stealing your girlfriend sure so in i've mentioned my best friend's wedding before but there's a scene in my best friend's wedding where uh julia roberts makes her gbf whose name i can't remember uh mm-hmm. like pre- pretend to be her boyfriend and then her like ex-boyfriend who she's trying to make jealous it's complicated is like oh i thought you were gay and he's like oh i pretend to be gay to get women uh and i think this <laughs> was an idea that was like in the public consciousness yeah like, yeah, like they will get close to women and then they will seduce them. <laughs> yes. Anyway, and yeah, I wanted to say, so the object of my affection, to be clear, he doesn't actually end up with her. It's kind of the same deal as Naomi and Eli, where she has to like learn to get over this. But it's kind of like, it's almost mutual because I think there's a moment where he's like, I really want to, I'm, I'm really close to this woman. We're really, we're really good friends. And I do, she gets pregnant by somebody else. And she's like, I want you to like raise this kid with me. And he's like, I do want to raise a kid. Hmm, could I go like straight? <laughs> anyway, they don't they don't end up together. It doesn't end up happening. <laughs> he doesn't have to pretend to be straight to have a kid with her though. I know, it's really but she kinda she kinda seems 
like that's what I was thinking as well. I was like, can he not help you raise the kid without like being in a romantic relationship with yeah. with you? And at first she seems to consider like that seems to be what she wants to do, but then she like freak- uh, she's like, oh no, I can't do it. I actually want you to marry me and like not see any guys and like be the father to this child. I don't know. I feel like I feel like there was an easy solution to this problem in this movie, but they <laughs> they weren't ready for it in 1998. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, I was gonna say her her boyfriend throughout this movie is also convinced that Paul Rudd is like pretending to be gay to seduce her. <laughs> so it was a weird time. Mm. Anyway, all this to say, I don't I don't know what the conclusion is. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> gay men are gonna be stealing your girlfriends. Be that's, aware. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Yes. Public like, service warning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watch the object of my affection. It's not a good movie, but it is <laughs> a fascinating movie. Fascinating relic. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. I hope we cut out all the references to Glee on this episode. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm okay. Do that. So I guess that's a sum up. Any final thoughts? Oh, we didn't talk about Shadow Hunters or Matthew Savarian. <laughs> Did you finish Shadowhunters for this? No. <laughs> okay. Because I, I remember you saying you were going to, but then I was I was watching and I was like, why do you need to finish Shadowhunters? You can just talk about Matthew DiCaprio. <laughs> no, but I do need to finish Shadowhunters at some point. I have eight episodes left. And I I have had eight episodes left for years. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good. Well. It's a good bad show. show. (laughs) It's a good bad show. Um, My mom is still traumatized from me, like, literally, like, wailing and complaining every week that Shadowhunters is coming out that I hated it, but I had to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Do we have any thoughts on Matthew Dottario in this movie? No. I really, the first time I watched this movie, I really thought he was going to be gay, and then he wasn't. I was puzzled i think i was surprised that he and naomi actually got together Uh, Mm. for some reason i thought that was just not gonna happen also i don't know why they put him on the no kiss list because it seemed like she was the only one who liked him like eli thought he was hot but she was like actually into him so it was like the no kiss list like any people that we're attracted to we have to put it on because that seems like a waste yeah it was mostly her yeah he he definitely wasn't that into him uh so I don't know what that was about drama (laughs) (laughs) this Um, is a very complex film a lot to a lot to dissect cool any talking about Matthew Daria yeah, I don't have anything to say about it. He's not a good actor. Also, I've been thinking about it, and I think his face is trying too hard to be hot, and it doesn't work for me. Interesting. I disagree. I think he... I think someone whose face is trying hard, too hard to be hot to me is Henry Cavill. I have... Hmm. I have a Henry Cavill hate campaign going. I hate that guy. <laughs> I hate that other people think he's hot. I think he is the worst type of hot a person could possibly be. He has the most boring face I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I hate him. <laughs> but I think Matthew Daddario is like, he's like a kind of attractive that I wouldn't be shocked if I saw him in real life. 
Like people look like yeah, that. I guess. I don't disagree with you about Henry Cavill though. <laughs> so irritating to me. Like I feel rage when I see him. Henry Cavill, come onto the podcast. Let's fight. <laughs> yeah, you can pay a hundred euro to deal with us. You have it. I know you do. Yeah. Uh okay. So in <laughs> conclusion. Oh, before we finish, I did want to mention that I liked, one of the scenes I really like in this movie is their friendship breakup, because um, I know we, we know that, like, romance and friendship are just different kinds of love, but I don't think we see often friendship breakups that have, like, that much of an effect on people, like, they were both walking into that cafe to exchange their stuff, and they both looked like they were hungover. It was like having a physical effect on them, and I just thought it was nice to see, because I've had friendship breakups in my life, and it's like, yeah, it's like you're brokenhearted. It has, like, a physical effect on you. It's really awful, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think we see that a lot, so that was nice. Yeah, actually, a movie we talked about on our wrap-up this week, which will be like two weeks ago by the time this podcast is out anyway uh is girlfriends from 1970 something which is about a friendship breakup and i thought it was very insightful into that uh phenomena phenomenon whatever yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes so check that out if you're interested it is a better movie than (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah finally i like how they bonded over the X-Men. That was... I did not like that. I actually hated it. I hate when you can tell that the people writing the dialogue do not give a solitary fuck about what they're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) It was very... Like, I didn't believe them. Like, it was not a a conversation I actually believed anyone would have about (laughs) X-Men. But I like the spirit of it. I, I just like the idea of people getting together in a gay way because of the X-Men. That, to me, is <laughs> true to life. Uh-huh. Yes. It was just really hard to... As someone who knows more than just the thesis idea of the X-Men, it was hard to sit through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I like the idea more than the execution. <laughs> Okay, so in conclusion, this is a movie. <laughs> Thank you for listening. That you should watch. We spent a lot of time complaining, and it genuinely is a movie I think everyone should see. It should be like one of those like best hundred movies that you should watch in your lifetime lists. Like I think everyone should have seen this movie. It tells you a lot about life. Sure. I wouldn't I wouldn't go top 100, maybe top <laughs> 2000. Um, top 150 yeah. max. This is a very important movie. <laughs> okay. I would I would not discourage you from watching this movie. <laughs> wow. Glowing statement, glowing yes. review. Yes. Uh okay. So, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like to give us money, if you Henry Cavill would like to challenge us to a duel, <laughs> you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Casey, and you can do that. If you would like to access 
our show notes or transcripts, blah, blah, blah. All of that can be found at our website, summoncaseysmovieclub.wordpress.com. If you would like to send us an email with questions or complaints, you can do that at summoncaseysmovieclub at gmail.com. You can also contact us on, at, on Twitter at SamandCaseyPod. I am on Twitter at Cosmic Jellies. And I'm on Twitter at Casey Nessa. Finally, please rate and review us on iTunes mm-hmm. if you liked us or if you hated us. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye.